0: Welcome to this Motorsport Magazine issue commentary podcast. Um, now the point of these podcasts is to give you, the listener, an understanding of what goes into producing an issue of motorsport over the generally the four-week schedule that we have. Now, this podcast, we're focusing on the August 2017 issue of Motorsport, which is on sale now. Um, It's available from the Motorsport Magazine uh, website on on our shop. It's available in the USA if you check out Barnes & Noble. Um, And also, it's available as a digital edition. So, today, in this commentary, we have uh, Lyndon, who is our staff photographer. Hello, Lyndon. Hi, Nick. We have Simon, Simon Aaron, who is our features editor. Hello, Simon. Hi, Nick and Joe how are you Joe
1: Uh, very well thank you can you hear me
0: I can hear you very well you're set about one foot from me Right, so Joe is our deputy editor. So we've got a good team here to discuss uh, the ins and outs of the August 2017 issue. Now what I would recommend is that if you have a copy of the magazine, um, pause this, go and get it. Um, uh, if you haven't got an issue, then um, pause this, go to the newsagents and uh, and pick one up. Because um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk through, uh, not page by page because it will take forever, but we're gonna talk you through from the cover through to features. Um, and speaking of the cover, Let's go straight in. We have... um Nigel Mansell's FW14B uh, on the cover um, but it's not Nigel Mansell's crash helmet
1: here. Joe, whose crash helmet is this? It's uh, Karun Chandhok's uh, helmet and he has driven the car for us and written about it uh, and we think it's a, um, a world exclusive um, it's the first time that Nigel Mansell's um, championship winning uh, 1992 uh, car has been driven uh, since, um, uh, since 1992 and Karun has uh, driven it for us at Silverstone written about it uh, and and uh, it makes a very very strong cover uh, image. I mean, there there was some debate um, because we had t- we have two cracking stories in uh, 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 in this particular issue, um, two cracking tests of um, uh, Formula One cars, and there was a toss up between this image and another one, which uh, which Nick you, you might want to talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah indeed, yeah. So um, so yeah, we're, we're spoilt for choice really with this one because Corinne drove both the d- FW14B and the latest 2017 F1 Williams, uh, Williams Fan Day at Silverstone, which you may, you may have read about on our website, um, or elsewhere, hopefully our website. Um, so yeah, we had a bit of an embarrassment of, of riches. We had the opportunity to put the latest car on the cover, the Martini liveried car, um, or the FW14B, and we had a good conversation around the office, and Lyndon was involved in this as well. He's shaking his head, he was there. He was I there. was not there, the no, event. it was the day I was <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, was it really? All right, okay, he wasn't there. Um, so we we discussed whether we should put the latest car on the cover or the 14B, but I think in the end this this picture looked great, didn't it? Uh, Simon's going to jump it
1: was, in. It was partly the, partly the image, and, and also we were sort of thinking about you know what's the strongest sort of story, what what would readers really want to read about? And it's obviously a great get to have driven and tested the current. 2017 Formula 1 car. Uh, I've certainly never read a proper test of one of those during the season it's competing. Um, but at the same time, you can't get away from the fact that this is Mansell's championship winning Williams.
0: Yeah, Red 5. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's fabulous.
2: And, and also the photograph was taken at Silverstone. And I think the, the, the synergy, not a word I particularly like, but the synergy between Mansell, Williams, Silverstone, Williams having scored his first Grand Prix win at Silverstone. Everything is, I just think, um, and, and, that, and that car... You know which which one uh, the FW 40 successful though it is in relative terms is a very unlikely to be winning at Silverstone this year. I think we I think we accept that. Um, so I, I just I just think the whole the package of uh, ingredients on the, on the Mansell cover were the um, were the were the it was the obvi- it was the obvious. It was a difficult choice in many ways, but I, th- I still think it was the it was the obvious choice.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think ho- hopefully we made the right call. It's a lovely shot. That there's the the image. I mean uh, it. I mean, Lyndon can assess it better than I can, but there's, there's something intriguing about this image. It's not a composed studio shot of this car. It's the car disappearing off uh, out of a garage. It's, it's, so b- it's
3: watching it being, as it's going out on its maiden run and seeing it appearing and disappearing, shall we say. So, yeah, to capture it as we have, it's, it, it's reminiscent of 92 and it's, it's also current of now.
0: So, how did everyone feel about Karun um, writing this piece? We know, you know, obviously a very accomplished driver. He's just back from Le Mans. He's a good, great broadcaster as well. His work on Channel 4 is fantastic. But I'll, I'll be absolutely honest, I was really nervous. I mean, I, I commissioned him, but I was still really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> as racing drivers aren't generally the most articulate. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think?
2: <coughs> I, do, I mean, Karun is articulate. I mean, there are. A thing about certain Williams drivers. I mean, many, many moons ago, uh, commissioned Damon Hill to write a motorcycling piece for a magazine. He insisted on doing it himself, and it was, you know, it was hardly needed a comma changing. It was, it was brilliant. And Korean stuff didn't need much work either. It was, it was, it was very, very good. And I mean, he's got a strong association with. I mean, he's the official Williams Heritage test driver. The fact that they trust him to drive their cars, I think, means we should, you know, we should. Certainly, trust him to drive them for
1: us, uh, and also I mean it, I think the fact that he is obviously associated with Williams, I mean you could argue that he 's never therefore going to give a, a sort of dispassionate view of these cars, so I mean it, we should probably stress that you know, it, it, this isn 't a sort of uh, a critique of the cars, this is a celebration of the cars, uh, and uh, he did it uh, he did it brilliantly, and especially actually with the Mansell car where he writes very eloquently about being a uh, I think he was 10 he'll probably tell me he was uh, he was younger than that uh, but as a boy watching Red five and, and knowing about this car and he said this VHS video it's uh, worn out from watching um, uh, Mansell uh, driving this car and it was it was literally a childhood dream come true to uh, get behind the wheel.
3: You, you could see the excitement on his face as he was getting in and he had he had a Haynes manual. For the for the Williams, and he was just getting everybody to sign it and flicking through it, and it was just it was like you say, seeing a schoolboy dream come come true. It was fantastic for him.
0: Yeah, th- this this being a kind of a behind the scenes podcast as well, I'll I'll, I'll, um, I'll mention that I saw him at Le Mans at the at the drivers parade in in the city centre on the Friday. I went to the there's a kind of a car park paddock area where the cars and the drivers assemble, and they you know there's a lot of waiting around, and the drivers are talking and gossiping, and some crazy reason they let me in um and i walked up to Carew and i saw him there and said hello and he was um i think he was talking to rubens I think he was talking to. Her, or he was, I think it was with It might have been someone else, but he was showing him the pictures of the day, and they, all the other guy was going, "You drove, you drove the fourteen B, you drove." And he was kind of like, you know, he, he had this enormous grin on his face. You could tell that it really meant something. And, and he was doing what probably the rest of us would do if we had uh, driven the fourteen B. We were showing off to our contemporaries. You know, yeah, yeah.
2: I think if I'd driven the fourteen B, I'd probably be in a hospital bed still. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, me too. Um yeah, well well, well hopefully you are having a good look at this uh, feature now as as we're talking about it. There there's a lovely quote about how Corinne thought we could hear him. um Murray Walker. You know, he could al- he could he felt like he could almost hear him as he's going down the, the hangar straight. So um we, we hope we've done a good job with this. It's it's such an evocative car story. And actually I, I kind of see it as a tribute to Williams as well. You know, this is this is their fortieth anniversary and um the fan day was a roaring success from what I can see. It was funny,
3: the the turnout was incredible and just seeing everybody there, being able to get close to the cars as well during the lunchtime and and whatever else was put on around the circuit, it was, I think, 50,000 people turned up. Friends of mine were were phoning me on the day saying, are you at Silverstone? Because they'd only just found out that day and managed to get in and it was, if they can do it every year, I think this will be something that will be a raging success, Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, just your, your story about Le Mans just reminded me in, in this piece, he, he sort of says at the end that um, uh, as he came back into the pits, there was Mark Webber and Anton Davidson and Ricardo and Massa. And they were all there and he can't help himself, but, you know, feel quite smug about the fact that he's got to drive this uh, uh, the car and not them.
0: Fantastic. Um, I tell you what, we'll move on because we haven't got we haven't got uh, much time, but we have got a huge amount of content uh, in this issue. Um, so as a reminder, this is the August twenty seventeen issue of Motorsport Magazine. Um, so check it out. Um, let's where should we go to next, chap? Should we go to the Rover SD One Triple Treat as it's sold on the. Um, Contents page. I'll, tell you, I'll tee this one up because um, I, I've been speaking to Dickie about this for a while. Mm-hmm. So this is Dickie Meaden, our um, contributing editor, expert, historic racer. Um, he's got an enormous soft spot for these SD1s that are emerging now as real, um attractions, aren't they? Huge attractions, uh, 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 historic racing around, uh, around the country and around the world. And he has uh, driven back to back a Group 1, a Group 2 and the ultimate Group A um, SD1. Um, and i tell you what, that opening shot is um, pretty cool. I would say. Um, yeah, it's a great shot. It's a great story. Who wants to jump in and tell me what they think about this, um, this story?
2: Oh, well, kick up, as I'm old enough to have covered the British Saloon Car Championship in period and actually wrote about Rover SD1s when they were new. Um, I do think um, one of the things, I know that they're not period Goodwood cars, but one of the highlights of the UK racing season for me for the last few years has been the um, Group 1... Recreation race, the Jerry Marshall Trophy, they have at the Goodwood Members' Meeting, and there's a very high caliber of driver who takes part in that. And watching Capris, SD Ones, and such like being hurled around Goodwood is just dolomite sprints and so on. It's absolutely fantastic, and it just—it's just a lovely reminder of how saloon car racing was back then. I know nowadays it's a lot more competitive. You've got thirty cars in the British Touring Car Championship, of which the top. 2024 are covered by a second in qualifying. And back when the Rover was around, it was a class system, so you had, you know, half a dozen Rovers and then you filtered down to much slower cars. But the car, the car's body language back then, um, I mean the, the racing's very good in the BTCC today, don't get me wrong, but the car's body language back then was just fabulous. And I, th- I think uh, Dickie's done a great job of conveying what all three are like to drive.
0: Yeah, tell us. Um, oh, he's going to jump in there, Joe. was
1: going to. Well, I was just going to say, just to agree with Simon. That one of the great things that comes out of this piece is seeing Dickie really nails the evolution of the cars as they go through, uh, you know, from from Group One and it, and because he's such a good driver and sensitive driver, he can tell how the cars have improved through um, through uh, through each version, which is, uh, which is which he nails brilliantly.
0: Yep. Um, so, Lyndon, this is. Um, I mean, I've been on a number of race car shoots. Yeah. Um, and three cars um that are 30 odd years old or so um on track at Donington. uh one driver or one journalist driver some we of the other one, guys one were journalist driving
3: driver and one owner driver okay the other was uh, just delivered shall we say
0: so tell us i mean the behind the scenes stuff that goes into it because they're, they're wonderful pictures and they look beautifully composed and they look quite you know the car looks mega but the shots are quite calm but i can imagine it was an absolute <laughs>
3: It was, it was one of those, obviously, right. working with Dicky, saying where are you going to do, wh- how, many, you know, how many laps are you going to drive each car for. Um, to try and capture every car in the same place and get a cornering shot, a pan shot and everything else was quite tricky. Thankfully, two cars came out at the same time. The, the first time they both came out, one was going at walking pace and did stop but thankfully we managed to get it back into the pits and and repaired and and back out on track. Um so it, the nightmare that could have been was avoided thankfully. Um but yeah it was it was handy Dickie driving every car knowing where I was and where he was going to put the car. Um made it a lot easier and then obviously we had we were lucky enough to to be on track at lunchtime so we could do all the car to car and and get all three cars on track with with the owner drivers and and mechanics driving
1: great stuff well i was gonna i mean you mentioned the opening shot which is just one of the best pictures i think in the mag um how difficult was it to get that with all three cars together it was
3: obviously we had well yeah it was it was handy we had Two two proper racing drivers and a mechanic who was confident enough to get close enough to the car in front and and to the camera car, and everybody followed my direction perfectly. So yeah, we had we had a lap Re- with all really. three.
0: you don't have to be nice. You <laughs> <can tell> no, <laughs> you no,
3: no, no. Everybody was following my hand signals and uh, getting as close as I needed them. So um, you can tell that you can tell who were the two drivers and who was a mechanic with with distances, but. I'm never gonna get a car to try and drive into somebody else. It's always millimeter perfect. So everybody as long as people have faith in me and I have a bit of faith in the drivers, then we're we're happy.
1: No no brake testing going on.
3: Thankfully not. Although the the boot lid of the BMW lead car did did take a, a battery with the wind, so uh
1: <laughs> Oh that always
0: happens. Um there's there's a shot on page ninety six a sequence of shots on, on page ninety six of the of the, the Bastos car having a lovely slide um we've also filmed um yeah we did a kind of a reportage film of this day so if um if you're listening to this keep your eyes peeled on the motorsport magazine website because we'll be um delivering some video on this and there's some fabulous on board of Dickie getting this thing um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> very crossed up um lovely story so let's move on to another fantastic lunch now this is um, this is Simon's uh, lunch with, with Mike Wilds. And um, Simon, over to you, to be honest. It's, it's, a, it's a great story, a, a, a great guy, um, works beautifully with this, with this issue, with the, with the balance of the issue. So tell us a little bit more about your, your lunch with Mike.
2: Yeah, it was, um, I thought he was a worthwhile subject, not perhaps the most obvious because his Grand Prix career was um, short and a touch unsuccessful. But um, he's been racing for more than 50 years now. Uh, he did make Formula One. He was successful in the World Endurance Championship and still nowadays, age 71, he's comp- competing successfully in the Brit Car Endurance Series and elsewhere. Um, when I emailed him to ask whether he'd be interested in doing lunch, he called me back within about 15 seconds. I said, bloody hell, you must be hungry. <laughs> um, and, and he was just... He was so... So no, I mean, he's got, he's got no side to him, Mike at all. His feet are completely on the ground, and he was so so flattered that um, that we'd we'd asked him whether we, he'd he'd like to do it. And uh, generally, the um, the format with lunch is that we ask the guest to choose a pub or a restaurant of their choice. Um, I won't say that money's no object, but we can be reasonably generous we, we're allowed to be reasonably generous oh don't give that away um, <laughs> but th- a lot of a, a lot of guests have very modest tastes and mike just wanted to go to uh, a, a pub in in wiltshire where he'd uh, he'd sadly lost his first wife a number of years ago to cancer remarried very recently and they had the wedding reception at the pub in wiltshire and he loves it to bits and just said well could we, i mean initially he's a, sort of a oak, th- yeah. initially he said he'd come to meet us in london he offered to pay his uh, he offered to pay you know, pay for his own food, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, he, he, yeah, he, he said he'd pay his own way, and we said, no, no, We'll you choose the pub, we'll come, we'll treat you, and um, so we, well, Lyndon and I made our way to Wiltshire, and had a a, a lovely, lovely lunch, and uh, the Royal Oak, and they um, yeah, had chatted to Mike for, a, I think the transcription was 2 hours and 55 minutes, wow. which uh, took a while to unravel, but yeah. he's just, he's got a fund of... Lovely stories because he came from racing in the 750 Motor Club, uh, what was called the 1172 Formula in those days. He bought his first racing car before he had a road car. He only had a bicycle at the time. He hadn't really thought things through very carefully. Um, Setbacks by a couple of accidents and stuff early on. Then through a couple of lucky breaks, he managed to get onto the professional ladder. As I say, he got to Formula 1. And then when, when that all fell apart, he managed to find a succession of drives and all sorts of things and um, happily still racing
0: today. Still racing today, absolutely. Um, and instructing as well. He's, he's, Instru- he's
2: yeah, he's, all, I mean, he's been a helicopter instructor. One of the first jobs he got um, after his Formula One career ended in 75, a mate of his was running a helicopter business and Mike said he knew nothing about helicopters at all. Didn't know how to fly one, didn't really know what they were, but he, I mean, he, he did his research he became a very successful helicopter salesman learned to fly one and he has also been a well he's a qualified helicopter instructor although where he's based in wiltshire it's it's easier for him to do uh, motor motor racing instruction just because of the lack of available uh, airfields nearby nearby but he does still keep his hand in with choppers as well
1: uh, i think one of the great things about this um lunch is is that it really just shows how motorsport has infused his life just so completely, and, and I think one story which I don't think made the final cut, but um, was how he met his first wife, who, who you mentioned. That he he went to a race meeting with another girl, came off when he came to, saw and you'll tell the story better than I would, but saw, 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 the, saw a another girl um, leaning over him, and um, and, and that then became his wife. And he forgot all about the girl that he's sort of took to the, took the race in the first
2: place. Yeah, that, that's a sort of condensed version, yes. He, he um. Yeah, he, he he took he took his girlfriend at the time to um, to Brands, Brands Hatch. Ended up in hospital after a big accident Brands Hatch. But between arriving and uh, crashing, he'd been he'd started chatting up this other girl, and she yeah she when he did come to after a week or so, she was the one um, who was there in hospital when he woke up, and they did subsequently marry. And Mike told me that um, a couple of three years ago at Goodwood, he was uh, he was standing in the paddock and a lady walked up to him and said, Excuse me, are you Mike Wilds?" And it was girlfriend number one asking why he'd never it <laughs> never called about it never called about Awkward. fifty odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I mean there was, there were there were lots of there were lots of bits of Mike we could have uh, we we could probably have run the lunch to um we yeah, twi- to uh, twice to, twi- to twice the length if we included everything he'd told us. But uh, I, I hope people enjoy the will enjoy the edited highlights.
0: We'll have to think of some way that we can, you know, uh, we can offer the extended version, whether it's the text or the photography. You know, it's just them, them there's, I know we, there's obviously work ongoing with digital editions and things like that, but. Um, yeah, bear with us because there is so much content, you know. Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? If you look at the if you think of the volume of content that we produce per issue, um we we pick the best, but there's probably still 40-50% that just can't can't make it. Always the
1: hardest part, isn't it, deciding what what goes in and uh, uh, and what comes out and yeah, a, a sort of um a kind of director's cut, if you like, somewhere would be oh. a great idea. The
0: extended extended version, yeah. yeah. Um right, so moving on. Uh let's go to Ah oh Simon, let's let's this is another one of your features. You've had a you have had a busy <laughs> busy month. Um so the Jaguar XJ two twenty has uh its twenty-fifth anniversary. Is that that right? Yep. Um and uh Simon, you, you went up to visit the uh Sir Don Law's. Yeah, Don uh, Don,
2: Don, Don Law Racing uh, took over the uh, responsibility for maintaining and servicing uh the XJ two twenty. Um, when I arrived in my um, cutting-edge Fiat Punto 1. Point, it is a Fort 1.4 16-valve sporting model. But when I arrived in my um, <laughs> Punto in the leafy lanes of Staffordshire, I was very soon being fo- to, towards where I was supposed to be meeting uh, a group of uh, of the journalists. Um, I found myself being followed by an XJ220, and I thought initially that the I, w- I thought that my uh, Punto's rearview mirror was you know, playing tricks. Cause you know, obviously I knew what I was going to see but the fact it just suddenly loomed actual, up behind yeah. me I thought, wow yeah. and it's still it is 25 years old and part of the reason we did it is that uh, I was one of a small group of journalists invited up to have a look at the Don Law facility It's part of the build up to the Silvers, this year's Silverstone Classic at the end of July uh, where there will be a parade they're hoping the biggest ever parade of XJ220s including three uh, cars of the specification that raced at Le Mans in 1993 wow. where they scored a class winning 10th overall before the ACO and Tom Walkinshaw fell out and suddenly they weren't a class winning 10th overall but anyway um so we went up there to, to have a look at the facility and um you know I have to say looking at the thing in my rearview mirror and subsequently on the ground it doesn't look like a 25 year old car in any way shape or form not to my eyes I mean my eyes are a bit old and rubbish but um I still think it looks pretty damn near contemporary it's um it's an amazing looking thing yeah and yeah, know with, with with i mean cars come from all around the world to don law's place uh, as he is the only kind of service center you can't really take it to halfords or quickfit and um you know there were twenty, twenty-two cars there at the time really? plus a lot of his other you know, the other stuff that he looks after he, people who know historic racing will have seen justin law don's son racing all sorts of things in recent years and um yeah they've got a litany of interesting cars there i mean there was a bmw m1 that took my eye but i wasn't allowed to write about that because it was a jaguar feature next time um, next yeah time. well may, maybe but it's a you know lovely looking car and if you are going to the silverstone classic uh, at the end of july you know watch out for the parade because uh they're, they're hoping to get 30 plus cars there
0: i like i like to think that during that parade r- up the front there'll be a fiat punto and yeah, d- there'll uh, be there'll be all these cars <laughs> trying to get past d- as, uh, <laughs> as they were on the lanes. Yeah, yeah, there's a
2: bit more space around Silverstone than on, the, sta- <laughs> on the, sta- the leafy lanes of Staffordshire. But it's 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 it's, it's quite interesting that it's surreal almost that you go to you know rural Staffordshire area I know well. It's adjacent to Cheshire where I grew up, and um, you know there's this workshop just kind of set off to the side of a lane and wander in and there's so much you know fantastic automotive engineering
0: uh, it comes across in the story it's, it's, it's a great piece and, and the car um has, has had a hell of a life i think you know the the, the failure was originally supposed to be v12 and uh customers got very upset when it went to a vc i mean this this, this car is um yeah it, it's got a hell of an and i think you've done a great job um condensing it in, into this story so um so
1: well, I was going to say, also, I just love the, the 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 from the horse's mouth tale of its of its origin as, as as a Saturday Club, as something that the engineers uh, did in their own time. Um, oh, it was a
2: uh, real skunkworks project. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, because Jaguar would never have financed it, uh, but by doing it in their own time and giving Jaguar something, they you know, make giving them a car so good they really couldn't refuse it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the development costs were to to, do, to Jaguar were were pretty much nil.
0: Yeah, interesting. I mean, the, the the SVO setup now over at Jaguar Land Rover. They they hate the phrase "skunk works." They think they're much much more than that. But it has a. I've been over there, and it's a similar vibe. I would imagine to when when the XJ220 was was created. You know, the work that they're doing over there is, is pretty extraordinary at the moment, and and it, it feels like it's they've given certain people within the business the the creativity and the freedom to kind of express some really fabulous ideas, you know, so it's nice to see that it lives on in, in, in a way.
2: And it, the, I mean, I, I use the phrase skunk works because that was the phrase that Absolutely. Keith Helper, who designed the thing, yeah. came up with. I mean, it, that, 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 was, that was his term.
0: Suits it beautifully. Um, okay, so let's, let's move on now. There's um, the Hall of Fame. So we had a fantastic Hall of Fame this year. Um, you may have heard a lot about this already. There's been some great photography, some fun video on on our website it was a it was a great event and um i won't i won't say much more about it i would advise you to go and have a look at our website for some even more images from it but a great night chaps do you, do you enjoy yourself
1: uh, a fantastic time. I mean, it's just always such a treat to um, so be in the same room and, and get the chance to talk to um, uh, people who you you know you, you'd never think that you'd, you'd, you'd get the chance to talk to. Um, and I thought this year especially was great. And I've got to I've got to mention the the, the Nigel Mansell and Murray Walker. Double, Go for it. I mean, absolute showstopper when they came up to uh, accept Nigel's um, prize, which which Murray gave to him. Um, and uh, no, I got that wrong.
2: Yeah, it was the other way round. No, no, yeah, Nigel. Nigel, 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 no, gave Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we Murray. asked him not to give it away. He did. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Someone else gave. Someone else gave Nigel his prize.
2: Sir Patrick Head, who uh, presented Nigel, and, like Murray and uh, Nigel. Patrick and Nigel were a great, great double act, and uh, as it is, as you say, it's it's, it's lovely to. Um, I mean, it's obviously a privilege to be part of the team that's involved in promoting the event. Um, but it's it's the reaction, the response of the people who come along. Um, I mean, Murray, he won't mind me saying he's now 93 and a half, um, and getting out to events is not the work of a moment for him, but I, I sat next to him, um, known him for 30-odd years, and he just, he just. I mean, he he had such a fantastic, I know he emailed the office to, with his thanks, as a lot of other people have, but he just had such a fantastic time, and it's, it's the response of the guests that makes it worthwhile to me. When he's, when he's Obviously, we're slightly impartial because we're involved, but when you actually see the effect it has on the guests and how much they enjoy themselves, to me, that that's the that's the key.
0: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Lyndon, you, you, some it's great shots there as well. You were that Was your fir- it was it was, first? It was my first Hall of yeah. Fame. Your first Hall of Fame. You were in the thick of it, weren't you?
3: It was, and it, and going on from what someone's saying about the people that are there, it's 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 so exciting to see people who are like your heroes meet their heroes. Mm. You know, like with Tom Christensen meeting Brian Redman and and just seeing how excited everybody is to be there and 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 the whole event you know like i say is, is is it was our first time but you're rushed off your feet but it is also a really relaxing and great great atmosphere to be part of
0: yeah it was very very you know i guess we would say that but it, 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 it you know we'd love to be able to you know transport teleport our readers into it you know and and hopefully we'll be doing that with with the, with some videos and some more uh, footage on the on the website over the next few weeks or so but um yeah I, it was um I, I pinched myself on a few occasions it really was
3: taking your selfie thing. of uh, you and Nigel oh was, the, Oscar was the highlight selfie. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> that was I, just, I, I felt slightly embarrassed doing it but they were we we're all there backstage uh, John Watson, Dario, Tom Christensen, Nigel Mansell and then jenny and jenny and myself and i just thought, i'm sorry guys And Mansell was nigel was getting his uh his microphone set up and everything i said Look, i've got to do this i'm really sorry and I, yeah i did the did a selfie so um that's on, on our on my Sport magazine twitter feed and, and my my twitter feed as well so um yeah that's uh that's one for the one for the wall yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. Moving on now. So, uh, so we've looked at IndyCar and, in particular, the evolution of um, of of the car itself, in, 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 a, in from a safety perspective. Because we had we've had some dramatic incidents and accidents recently in, in IndyCar. And um, while there's been some bumps and bruises, and um, from Sebastian Bourdais' perspective, I think a, a broken pelvis, the accidents that we've seen um, would have been fatal uh, not so long. Ago. So um, we wanted to have a look at um, how a driver, in particular how Sebastian Bourdais, can survive an accident like this. And um, I think our um, our writer, uh, John Oriovitz, or Oreo Biscuits, as he's been nicknamed in the office, um, has done a really good job. I think he's done a great job, Joe. He's
1: done, he's done a great job, and he uh, he's, he's got great access. Um, he obviously knows. I mean, we all sort of follow it, but he is a US-based journalist. He follows he follows, um, uh, follows IndyCar, and he uh, can talk to all the right people, which is which is really which really comes across in this piece. And, and he talks um, uh, very insightfully about uh, first of all about the accidents that have happened and why they happened, and then what uh, the series has done to try and make things um, uh, much safer. Um, I mean, what's, what actually also, I mean, as well as people surviving some of these um, terrible accidents is, is the, uh, what comes across is, is the fact that, you know, there have been some really very nasty crashes, um, especially when compared to Formula One over recent years uh, in IndyCar. Um, so I think it's a really timely piece and, uh, and you know, well put together and, uh, uh, and uh, it makes for sobering but very interesting reading, I think.
0: Yeah, and the IndyCar, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're fully committed with the next generation vehicle to ensure that um, sa- safety is, is improved all the way, uh, you know, uh, along, along the way. So it's, um, yeah, Simon, did you want <coughs> yeah,
2: d- to? Yeah, I have to confess, I haven't um, yet read the feature because I was uh, elsewhere when that part of the mag was being put together. But um, I was listening to IndyCar radio during qualifying when, Borde had his accident. I know Sebastian pretty well. I've worked with him in Formula 3000 and F1 and stuff in the past. And um, I was pleased that I heard the accident rather than seeing it because when I did subsequently see a replay, I think I'd have been, I'd have, you know, it was pretty brutal. And um, I've lost a couple of drivers to whom I've been close in IndyCar accidents Gonzalo Rodriguez in 1999. And Justin Wilson in twenty fifteen um the racing's very exciting. I do sometimes wish that they'd you know it wasn't quite as hazardous as as it sometimes appears to be um but I'm very relieved that Sebastian got away with what are relatively light injuries. I know that um, he put something up on Twitter a couple of days later saying. He w- he wasn't going out for a run that afternoon, but he but he but he was heading in the right direction, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to reading it, and I'm I'm pleased to see that measures are being taken to reduce the casualty count because you know from personal experience of uh, you know I have been a little bit too close to a couple of tragedies.
0: Um, let's take a look now at the... We have a photo essay following uh, the IndyCar story. Now, this this is um, a surprise and delight This feature. is one of the best things <laughs> in the magazine. You <laughs> can't not like slot cars. Simon you just had his way. This, this would be the, the cover, cover story, wouldn't it? No, with I a, with think a Capri Mansell's slot car.
2: M- maybe a Capri slot car. Man- Mansell or an SD1. Uh, Mansell's FW14B versus slot car racing. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough call. But I have to say, Lyndon... The this is all your handiwork, and uh, I think I think the images are great, uh, absolutely lovely, and and the story, the accompanying story, is wonderful as well.
0: Tell us more about it, Lyndon. Tell us about the day. Tell us, uh, about, wh- tell wh- us. I mean, you must have had a while of a time. It, it doing kind
3: it. of followed on from my my Wimbledon essay, and and we were thinking of what other strange or unusual events we could go to, and and thankfully there was the slot car festival at Gaydon. So uh, a couple of emails, and I was in. <laughs> it was just, it was such a big kid's day. It was fantastic. I went with a friend of mine, and I have to say, we did get rather caught up on the drag strip. Um, okay, tell us more. With our reaction times, and it did turn into quite a big competition um, of just trying to trying to beat the oh green news. light
0: and beat each other. But um, this is one, th- there's a shot, isn't there? Page 136, so it crosses over 136, 137, I think, where you can see...
3: The, there's the there's a young you know, young girl and boy playing strip. with it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. also on one three five where you've got the oh staging yes, lights. One three five. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just one of those days where you see ages from five to fifty and and beyond that of, of people. Everybody's had a slot car. Everybody's had electrics. Everybody's had the Aurora, and it was just it was self indulgent basically. And I got some good photos.
0: I think the reader will get a lot out of this I mean you know the the, the Tamiya story we did uh, a couple of months ago the slot car festival Wimbledon you know all of these things kind of form our love of racing it's not you know it's not just Formula One. It's not just Capris, Simon. You know, there's, there, there are slot cars and models. It's Alton Park as well. And there's Alton Park. So um, we, we're we're going to continue with this, aren't we, Joe? This this um, the weird and wonderful type
1: feature every uh, so. issue. You I mean, you know, I mean uh, Lyndon's nickname in the office now is Annie, as in Annie Leibovitz. <laughs> he, is, uh, he, he is now doing. He's uh, made a niche for himself to do these fantastic kind of uh, photograph uh, photo essays, uh, which really get under the skin of, uh, sort of unusual and delightful and. and and lovely kind of events that are, that are going on all the time, uh, and this is this is a, a great example. And um, and actually, the other thing about slot cars is that um, uh, the wonderfully named Julie Scale, um, owner of Scale Models, who is one of the people who puts this uh, puts this event on. Um, uh, made the point that this is it crosses the generation, so you can get grandparents playing with uh, yeah. grand grandchildren, and uh, you know the son in the middle kind of thing. So you've got yeah. it, it's not like um, uh, it's other than types of sport or even computer games, which maybe the granddad might not fully understand or be able to play. It, it plays across generations, and that's what made it such a such a lovely event.
2: Which 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 is harder to get accreditation for the Monaco Grand Prix or the UK Slot Car Festival?
3: Definitely Monaco Grand Prix. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. I said, a couple of emails to Julie and I
0: was in. Oh, that's <laughs> brilliant. I hope. I mean, I hope they. I hope they like this. This story. I. I, 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 I get a sense of pride when we are able to reflect people's passion in this way, and I think you've done a really yeah. good job. And you know, uh, the, there was the British
3: Championship there, and just watching the determination and the way people were behind the scenes setting their cars up for the races, it was. Well, it was like being back in another paddock,
1: but yeah. just
0: one thirty-second scale. 30 <laughs>
1: Except at the end, at, at the end of the drag race, to stop the cars, there's a, a cardboard box full of styrofoam. What's <laughs> it? <Yeah>. What's <laughs> it? <laughs> <laughs> the hi- high tech only goes so far. No it? parachutes. Well,
0: yeah. oh, that'll be cool though, wouldn't it? Little scale parachutes. one, th- one, one
2: thirty-second scale parachutes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Listen, guys, we we are running out of time, sadly. I I I I hope. I hope, it, as if you're listening to this, I really hope you've enjoyed it, and I and I hope you've um, enjoyed the way we've been able to talk through some of um, the features in, in in the magazine. As I say this is the August 2017 issue commentary of uh, motorsport. Please check out uh, if you haven't got a, 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 a copy already. Please check it out in in all good news agents in the states, and Barnes and Noble, Australia. It's it's all over the place. The digital edition too um check out motorsport magazine's website um, for more information is there anything else guys you want to add any what, what what slipped through the net this month what haven't we talked about
1: you might just mention simon uh, simon's maiden trip to the isle of man uh, and he came oh, of back course that this is he's waited so long uh, uh, to, to to go to go there and watch the racing
2: yeah i'd have to say that was um a real treat now it's something i've wanted to go and watch i know i'm supposed to write about cars rather than bikes but i do like watching bikes um it's something i wanted to do for years and years and years and years and years this year dunlop very kindly invited me to join them and um yeah why have i waited i could have gone 50 odd years ago why didn't i it's uh if you haven't done it you should and i know that people talk about this say i'm going back into the tragedies again now but um, I know people talk about the safety aspect, but nobody is holding a gun to anyone's head and making these guys go and do this, guys and guys and girls. Um, typical British superbike race, you get 25, 26 bikes. On the Isle of Man, you get 70. Typically in the UK, if you see a sidecar race, if it's a national event, you might get 20, 22 uh, outfits. Isle of Man, they are about 40. I think the numbers tell their own story. Um, you know, people want to do this event. They love the challenge. And it was fascinating to mingle to have the privilege of mingling in the paddock. Just being up close to guys like Michael Dunlop, William Dunlop, Peter Hickman before they got on their bikes to go out and take part in the in the in the TT. Just being you could i mean, actually I can feel I can feel the back, back when they started standing. Yeah, absolutely. Fine, yeah. Um but just standing there and watching them, they all had different they all react in different ways. Some of them are cut off, isolated, others See you standing there with a the camera, and they turn and smile and wave at you, even even though they've no idea who you are. It's just oh, just such a an all-consuming event.
0: I think we should all agree to go. Next year, yes. I think just we'll get a group of us together and we'll go. Um, maybe if we if we quit, we can. I've, I've been a couple of times hired a bungalow with some some mates, and that's probably the way we should. Do You've it next ridden year. a bike around the coast, I have ridden a bike around there, yeah, yeah. I managed to survive that and nearly not survive a, <laughs> a 30 mile an hour on the road, but um, I, I absolutely loved it. So, um, Be, being Lydie.
3: married to a Manx girl, it does uh, it holds a special place to
0: my heart as well. Oh, there's a there's a revelation in this uh, podcast, we, we, we was not aware of that. We can go and stay, you're. In-laws. With in laws, stay the mother in laws, yeah. Space okay, right? We're booked in. Um, listen, I'll quickly run through what else is in this issue and then and then we'll call it time. So, we have uh Formula One Frontline with Mark Hughes. Um, he's dissected the McLaren crisis, that's on page 33. Uh, um, international news, GT3 news, historic news, uh, rallying news, events of the month. We have our columnist Dickie Mead and uh, Richard Williams. Uh, another fantastic column uh, from Matt Oxley. Um, And then we have road car news, road tests, letters, uh, a good you were there this month, um, Simon's fantastic column about the TT, um, more great stuff from Gordon and Doug Nye from the archive side of things, and the parting shot on page 192. We'll be back in around four weeks, I should think, so around the end of July, um, dissecting the September 2017 issue of Motorsport. Um, I hope you can join us. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank okay. And thanks to Lyndon. Thank um, you. Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, we'll see you next time.